Hey friends, and welcome to episode 77 of It's About Time, a podcast sharing stories and strategies to inspire women seeking better work, life, and balance. I'm your host, time management coach, Anna Dearman Cornick. And last week's episode, episode 76, was all about unlocking your genius zone. Those activities in your life and work that totally light your fire and that you're great at doing. If you haven't tuned in to episode 76 yet, I highly recommend you head that way and come back to hear from this week's guest once you've soaked up all the genius zone goodness waiting for you over there. And if you have already listened to episode 76, then you are going to be so inspired by this week's guest. For Corinne O'Brien, Policy and Advocacy Manager for Birmingham Education Foundation, unlocking her genius zone changed everything. You know, it's one thing to do the exercise and figure out what's in your drudgery, distraction, disinterest, and desire zones. But it's another altogether to take decisive action in order to spend more time actually doing what you do best and doing what you love doing. I mean, it sounds like a dream, right? Showing up to work every day, ready to make an impact and doing your best, most enjoyable work. For Corinne, that's her reality now. And it's caused a ripple effect in every other area of her life, not to mention the impact she's creating in the public education space in Birmingham and the state of Alabama. I'm so excited that she was willing to join me for a conversation and tell me exactly how she made it happen. So let me tell you all about Corinne O'Brien. Born and raised in Louisiana, Corinne brings 10 years of experience working in public schools to her work with the Birmingham Education Foundation. Corinne earned her BA in economics from Louisiana State University in 2008 and a master's of education in learning, diversity, and urban studies from Vanderbilt University in 2016. She began her career in education teaching 8th grade math in New Orleans as a 2008 Teach for America Corps member. Throughout her time as an educator, she's taught in a traditional public school setting, been a founding team member of a turnaround K-8 charter school in New Orleans, and coached a team of 12 teachers as the assistant principal of a charter school in Nashville. Currently, Corinne is the policy and advocacy manager for the Birmingham Education Foundation and strives to build a collective of passionate advocates working for excellent and equitable educational opportunities for all students. She's married to Mark, and has one daughter, Louise Renee. In today's conversation with Corinne, she shares what it was like to transition from a super structured work environment as an assistant principal 
to designing her own days as a policy and advocacy manager for a public education nonprofit. And she shares the exact tools and strategies that help her get things done. Corinne also reveals the huge time management wake-up call she had after finding what's in her genius zone and what she did about it. She explains how knowing what's in her genius zone enabled her to create opportunities for others, increase her impact in the education community, and spend more time doing work that she's passionate about. And plus, she shares her best advice for anyone who wants to spend more time in their genius zone, but isn't sure where to start or how to make it happen. In this episode, we rattle off a lot of productivity strategies that have been game changers for Corinne, and you better believe that there are podcast episodes that feature many of her go-to time management tactics. You can find links to all of the productivity tools and resources mentioned in this episode over in the show notes at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 77. You'll also hear Corinne mention that she actually created her very own day planning worksheet that she uses every single morning to plan her time blocks, priorities, and to-dos. She was kind enough to share that with me, and you can find a free printable download inspired by Corinne's very own day planning worksheet waiting for you in the show notes too. One more time, you can grab the Corinne-inspired printable day planning worksheet plus links to resources over at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 77. And finally, I want to thank you again for being a fan. And if you haven't yet, I invite you to tap that subscribe button to be notified as soon as new episodes go live. If you like what you hear, I'd be so grateful for your review. And with that, it's about time we get started. So let's get this show on the road. You're listening to It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. Around here, we believe that busy is not a badge of honor. Your host, Anna Dearman Cornick, is here to share tips and strategies to help you make the most of your time. Listen in on real conversations and success stories to find out how other go-getters are getting things done. If you're ready to step away from the overwhelm and spend your time on what matters most, then you're in the right place. Here's your host, time management coach, Anna Dearman Cornick. Hey, Corinne, and welcome to It's About Time. I am so excited to have you on the show today. How are you doing? I'm so good, Anna. Thank you so much for having me on. I have been such a huge fan of this podcast for a long time, so it's exciting to be a guest. Ah, Thank you so much. That seriously means the world. You have no idea. Well, (laughs) I am really excited to share you and what you do and your story and how you do life with everyone. So let's kick it off and make this happen. So Right before I hit the record button, I shared with everyone in the intro your super official bio, but as always, I like to hear from you in your own words. So tell us how you spend your time these days. 
Yeah, absolutely. So I guess first and foremost, I'm a mother to my sweet Louise Renee, who's a 19 month old, my 19 month old daughter. I'm also a wife to my husband, Mark, who's a wonderful person. He's working his way through law school right now here at the University of Alabama. But in my professional life, I work as the policy and advocacy manager at the Birmingham Education Foundation. And and that role has been really exciting to me as someone who was a former public school teacher and assistant principal, having the chance to now work in the policy and advocacy world has been super exciting. Primarily in that in that role, what I'm doing is just working to understand specifically here in Birmingham and in Alabama, what are the strengths of our public school system? And then what are the persistent barriers to higher academic outcomes for all kids, no matter where they live? And there's a few things that I, I do through that role. Would, would you like me to go through those different elements? I would actually love to hear about this because... Just the the whole idea of being a policy director for public education, that is, it's so fascinating and it's such a different world. And yeah, so what exactly does that mean? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm learning as I go and as I'm going further into this role, but it's pretty much two big things right now. So part of it is education and really educating people about policy and advocacy. And then the other part is the advocacy piece. And so in terms of education, there's a couple of things we do. We do a ton of research, a ton of reading and talking to experts and to teachers and school leaders to understand these persistent barriers in a more comprehensive way. And also to take a look at other districts and states who have similar challenges and are addressing these challenges successfully to figure out what are the policies and practices that we could bring back to Birmingham, that we could bring back to Alabama, that could have an impact on improving student outcomes for all kids. So part of it is this research piece. And then in addition, we started this incredible fellowship last year. It's called the Community Action Fellowship. And it's an opportunity for for students and for alumni, families, community members, individuals who want to have an impact um, and want to learn more about education policy and how to influence it. So, for instance, they know of a challenge that they've experienced in their own personal experience and, and they want to influence on positive change in that area. And so they they get a chance to, to really take a look at the political advocacy process and how do you set up a successful advocacy campaign? And, and so forth. And so that's kind of the education part. And then the other, the other more new role that I'm working on is really issue advocacy and coalition building. So in that line of work, we're really working to use all the things that we've learned in our research to advance the policies and practices that will have an impact on better outcomes for all kids and system change. And specifically right now, the most exciting work that we're doing in that area is we were able to convene the Birmingham Coalition for Student Mental Health. Oh, wow. Yeah, after the, the, the pandemic began, and we're really working to figure out how do we expand those supports for students during really an unprecedented time in our nation's history. So that's that's pretty much the role right now. Wow. Yeah, I love that how you mentioned that you're learning as you go. And I mean, what else can we do, especially in, as you described it, unprecedented times that we're in right now with 
virtual learning and some kids reporting to school, some staying at home, the the random stay at home for two weeks to quarantine after being exposed. It is such a challenge. And it really sounds like what you are doing is that rubber meets the road. Is that what people say? The rubber meets the, <laughs> the road, like grassroots, ground floor part of making change happen in higher places, if that makes sense. We think about the the bills and the laws relating to education that are passed in our state capitals, and you are equipping passionate people to make change happen. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I mean, (laughs) we're we're really working to really bring those two elements together. How do we bring our grassroots community and our grass tops community to figure out how to solve these problems in a more comprehensive way? Because I, I really truly believe that the people that are closest to the issue are also closest to the solutions. Uh-huh. And so it's really important to figure out how do we get our students and our families and our community members to those decision-making tables so they can be a part of the t- decisions that are being made right now. Cause I, mm. I believe that's really important. So Corinne, you and I both grew up in Louisiana and <laughs> I know a lot of those listening are also from the Louisiana area from the South. Hello to everyone else all across the country, but you know, Louisiana and Mississippi and sometimes Alabama end up serving as the butt of a lot of jokes because we tend to be near the bottom of the barrel when it comes to our public education systems. Yes, <laughs> that is that is the truth. Yes. So, so that is the truth. So it really, and that's what I thought. I know that Louisiana and Mississippi typically trade places every year for who's going to be at the bottom. I'm not exactly sure where Alabama falls, but that seems very challenging, like such an uphill battle. And actually, like Louisiana and Mississippi have made strides in recent years when it comes to the NAEP assessment, which is a, the national report card. That's an assessment that fourth and eighth graders take. But Alabama has been persistently near the bottom as well. So yeah, wow. there's there's growth that's happening. There's some in- incredibly exciting things that are happening. But yeah, there's a lot of work to be done. A lot of work to be done. So you started your career <laughs> as a teacher and then an assistant principal, which God bless you and all of the current teachers and former teachers. My mom was a teacher for 30 years. I cannot imagine being in the classroom. What what was that like? What grades did you teach? An assistant principal? What what was that like? Yes. Well, I just to kind of add on to what you're saying, I'm just I'm really feeling deeply for all the teachers and school leaders out there right now during this time of I mean, just unprecedented stress and hardship that they're dealing with. But no, I was a I started my career in New Orleans as a Teach for America Corps member. I taught eighth grade math at Liberty Middle School, which is a traditional public school in Jefferson Parish. Oh, my goodness. Look at me saying county. I've been in Alabama (laughs) for too long. And then I got an incredible opportunity to be a founding staff member at a K through eight turnaround charter school at John Dybert Community School, which was the pink school on, on, uh, oh my gosh, on Orleans Avenue, right by the start of a lot of people recognized as a pink school at the start of in, the Endymion Parade. Oh, I don't wow. know if you're familiar with that, but no, now John Dybert is now Phyllis Wheatley Community School that's located in the Treme and a beautiful school building there. And on that team, I was a seventh grade 
math teacher and seventh grade level leader and just was a part of an incredible school community and just really had teaching. There's, there's, it's a really difficult career, but there is no joy like being a teacher and having a really excellent day and seeing change happen right in front of your eyes on a daily basis and just having really just incredible relationships with your students and their families. There's really nothing quite like being a teacher. And then I went to grad school at Vanderbilt and got a master's in education there. But really, when determining what to do next, I was really missing that school community. So I joined a, a charter school up there, Nashville Prep, as an assistant principal of their of their um, upper middle school for seventh and eighth grade, and just got a chance to to coach then to use all the skills I learned as a teacher to coach other teachers in academics or academic and cultural systems and, and engaging with families and had an incredible time there. But my husband decided to go to law school and now we we are ended up here in Birmingham, Alabama. And I, I'm really so grateful for this move because my current role has really been an incredible opportunity for me. Yeah, first of all, Birmingham just seems like such a neat place. I have not spent enough time there. But what was that pivot like from the classroom, from being an assistant principal, into a policy role because you're not in you're not in the classroom anymore you're not necessarily working with students one-on-one -on -one and seeing that change do you miss that what is what was that transition like yeah, it's very different, right? I mean, when you're a teacher, when you're an assistant principal, your time really isn't your own because you're on a schedule that's the school schedule, right? You're, you're the really, bells tell you what to do yes, and where to go. Yes, you're eating on the go. You're you're calling parents and catching up with students on the go. There's just a lot of really intense work. And, and my career as a teacher and assistant principal really was full throttle. I mean, it was going 110 miles an hour, and really it took over most of my life. So I know you and I have talked about this before. I loved being a teacher. I loved being an assistant principal, but I really was desiring a more balanced lifestyle. And I think the the career that I'm in right now, while I don't get to see those immediate changes on a daily basis, those light bulbs go off when a student finally understands how to solve a system of equations, right? We don't get that on a daily basis anymore. <laughs> But the work that I'm doing is also incredible. And, and, and really that long-term systems change work that needs to happen. You know, I, I, on a daily basis, I could see change happening in my classroom, but I knew that there were larger systemic issues that were, weren't going to change unless there was work being done on them. And now I'm in a role where I'm actually able to work towards changing some of those things, which has been really exciting. So it's not the same sort of experience, but yeah, it's still incredibly meaningful. But yeah, the, the day is very different, right? I have a lot more time. I had to figure out how to structure my time now and how to structure my week. And I know we're going to yeah. talk about that in a bit, but that was definitely a huge transition from being in a school to, to the role that I'm in. Yeah. So I hear that this a lot with people who are in very, very structured roles that then either go to something less structured or they go from the world of accounting to the world of running their own business, where, or they go from tracking their time in 15 minute increments as a PR client services pro, or like, like I said, an accountant. And then all of a sudden they have their own business and they have control over their time and they, 
they're at a total loss for how to structure things. And so (laughs) like a lot of my friends who are realtors end up allowing their clients to dictate how they spend their time as opposed Mm. to taking control. So I would love to hear how exactly do you do what you do and structure your time? Because you've got a husband who's working his way through law school. You've got a little one. Your work involves evenings and days. And you know, what are your go-to tools or methods for doing life? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, you know, Anna, I, I you were the person who helped me figure out some of these things because when we started working together, I was at a really interesting juncture where I had just become a new mom. I also had recently lost my own mom and so was dealing with grief brain and all of the the trauma related to losing someone significant in your life. And then yeah. also had just made this transition, right, from these highly structured schedules to this kind of wide open with a ton of opportunity to figure out what's the best way to structure this. So you really were a huge part of helping me figure out how to do this right. So the basics for me that I feel like there's a few things. First and foremost, Google Calendar has been a lifesaver for me. Everything is on the calendar. And now that's also the same for my husband. We go by Google Calendar for everything. Heck yeah. <laughs> yes, we, we have a lot of calendar invites on our Google Calendar. And so, and with that, a really strong ideal week. And that was something that you helped me to figure out is what are the things that need to happen in my week and how to structure a week that you only have 168 hours every week. And there's a lot that needs to get done for your job, for your role as a mom, a wife, a friend. And we want to make sure we have time for all of it and being really disciplined about how we spend that time. And so for me, a really strong ideal week was figuring out like I have to have time where I have deep work, periods of deep work, where for me in the morning, having a three hour chunk of time every morning of uninterrupted deep work time is really key for me as a part of that ideal week. I also have to be really disciplined about when I take and schedule meetings, because there's Mm -hmm. a lot of opportunities for meetings. And if I I'm not careful, my entire week can end up being meetings. And so I have to be really disciplined about that. So ideal week is huge. And I'll jump in and say that if you are listening and you're interested and you're curious about what is this whole ideal week thing? That sounds magical. (laughs) Let me point you to episode 48 of the podcast, episode 48, which I share what I call my secret for getting everything done, which is an ideal week. It's basically mapping out a template color by numbers, plug and play version of your week. So you're not starting from scratch. And yeah, definitely. If you've never listened to episode 48, head that way so you can understand what the magic is of having an ideal week and why Corinne loves it so much. Yes, it is so key. And I think for me, it just saves so much time and decision making that you don't have to decide how to spend your week every week. That's already been done. It's been set. So you spend a lot of time. Another thing for us is weekly planning sessions on the weekend. And that's just really, I mean, it sounds a lot fancier than it is, but it's just a time for us to like meal plan to make sure that we're going to have healthy meals for the week and like make our grocery list and check out like what we already have. And how can we make meals from that? It's also a chance for Mark and I to look at the upcoming week to see like, are there big events for him? 
are there big events for me? And like, what do we need to be aware of? And it's also the time when I just do like a quick check-in on finances and look at our bank accounts and everything to see how we are and where we're doing with that. That's been huge for me. And that was something that I know you helped me to, to get in place. Another thing is Asana. Asana is my major to-do list. It's where I have all of the, the work that I have, my strategic plan for work, plans on a yearly, quarterly, monthly basis. It's really my master task list and the place where everything lives. And I, in addition to that, have a really excellent paper planner. Mm -hmm. And I know there's like, some people might think, well, wait, you have Google Calendar and you have Asana. This feels like a lot. But for me, it's really important for to have just this like place where I can write things down, oh, yeah. especially as I'm doing my, my work on a, a daily basis. And my, my favorite, I know that you're also a planner junkie. I just found one that I love. It's the Russell and Hazel Weekly Planner from Target. And I Ooh. really just love the setup. I'd never seen it before until recently. Russell and Hazel Weekly from Target. Okay, mm -hmm. I'm going to look that up and see if I can find a link to it to include it in the show notes. Like, like, like you said, I am a planner <laughs> junkie. So I can't yeah. wait to check that out and see what's been working for you. I'm the same way. I use Google Calendar. Um, this is this is kind of wonky, but I'm, <laughs> right now I'm using Trello for some things, but I'm using Asana for the podcast, <laughs> which is which has been interesting because man, those subtasks in Asana are really lighting my fire. But there's but there are some things that just work better in Trello, and then yeah, I gotta have a paper planner because that's where I write my top three priorities for the day. Yeah. Yeah. And I have two more things I want to mention because I yeah. feel like this last piece is really what, and I know you and I work on this together as well. The start of day routine for me, which includes this day planning worksheet, which to me, I feel like has really been a game changer. When thinking about these deep work blocks, these chunks of time in the morning, it's really important for me to have a good understanding of what can actually be done. So for me, I can usually get two to three big tasks done if I'm really disciplined with that time. And this worksheet, and I'm sure we can attach it in the show notes if you're if you're interested, includes just like blocks at the top for me to be able to plan those tasks and like what time I'm going to use, what's my stop time, what are the subtasks I need to get done. On this worksheet, I also have this a list for many tasks that might come up that are like less than five minutes, but also a list to put things that as I'm doing my work, as you're doing work on a task, of course, you start thinking of other things that you need the to The shiny done. things. <laughs> the shiny things. And if those shiny things, if you're tempted to go to my asana or like go, then you can lose track and lose focus. And so that's when I just go to my weekly worksheet and I write it down on the shiny things list and say, okay, well, I know that I'm going to have to do this later and I, I will add that to Asana later. So those are really the two other critical parts that are really helping me get a lot of things done. Oh my gosh, Corinne, that brings me so much joy. <laughs> <Shiny things. laughs> I'm so glad that that startup, that daily startup routine has been such a game changer. So I actually talk about the startup and shutdown routines way back in episode five as one of the ways to add more structure to your workday. So yes, it brings me so much joy to know that that having that startup routine and that day planning worksheet that you created yourself based on, you know, what works for you. That's, that is 
Awesome. And see, that's the biggest thing about, you know, time management that I, you know, that I like to talk about is that in asking you, Corinne, what works for you, every single thing that you just listed out is not going to copy and paste for someone else. But taking bits and pieces and creating your own system that works is enabling you to do all of the things that you do with your job in the impact that you make in the Birmingham and the Alabama education systems and still keep your head on straight as a wife and a mom. Yeah. These, these pieces that I have in place now, I feel like I've never been more efficient or more effective in my role as, you know, as a professional, but also as a mom and a wife and a friend. So I I feel like these are some key pieces that are helping me to really get into that, to that flow. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And there's no one silver bullet either. There's not just one thing that you're adding. That's just solving all of your problems. It's a number of things working together. So, okay. Y'all. So I know we could all probably use a little more time in our day, right? You're no stranger to busy schedules and intentionally filling them up to the brim because you just have so much to get done. But sometimes it feels like you don't really ever have the time to just slow down and enjoy the simple things. Simple things like when my toddlers are giggling and playing nicely together in the backyard, or when a Sunday afternoon nap sounds too good to pass up. We all want more time to enjoy these kinds of things, right? Well, if you love personality quizzes like I do, then you're in for a treat. In my new quiz, which you can take for free at AnnaDCornick.com forward slash quiz, I'm helping you uncover what it will take to get you from chaos to calm, to finally feel like you have space in your days. I know it can feel downright frustrating to keep using the same old time management strategies that just don't seem to work for you. You've got the planners, the calendars, apps, you're doing all the things, but you still feel like you have no time. And that's because you need time management strategies that work for your personality and your life. In my 10 plus years working in crisis communications and chaos management, in all the time I've spent with my clients, I've learned that everyone has their own needs. And knowing what those needs are can really help you discover the best approach to planning your days. Knowing yourself can help you ease up busy schedules, and find more calm and clarity in your week. Do you wanna know how to get there? To have more breathing room in your days? Let's figure out your time management personality type so you can uncover exactly what you need to do to feel more productive, less stressed, and more balanced. You can take the quiz at AnnaDCornick.com forward slash quiz, and I'll make sure to link to the quiz in our show notes. All right, on with the show. Speaking of a number of things working together, so Corinne mentioned that she and I worked together as she was really transitioning into this new role in a new mom, really taking on a lot of new responsibility with, you know, big ambition for the impact that she's going to make for her career. And one of the things that, and I actually did an entire episode on this last week, but one of the things that... Corinne and I really 
did a deep dive into is finding what is in her genius zone as a method for making sure that the cream rises to the top, making sure that the most important work, the most impactful work and the work that she is best at is what came first and what she had time for. Um, so if, if you want to hear more in depth about Genius Zone, definitely head back to last week's episode and tune in. That's episode 76. But quick overview, Genius Zone, finding out what is in your Genius Zone is basically taking a close look at what work you do in your role, whether you are a policy director like Corinne, whether you are a realtor, whether you are a wedding planner, or even if you are a stay-at-home mom, you have a lot of work on your plate. And really getting a clear look at what you are most passionate about, the work that you're, that you're most passionate about, and the work that you are most proficient at doing. So it's all about passion and proficiency. And then it's really mapping out where do all of your work activities fall on that genius zone grid according to how passionate and how proficient you are in each of those activities. So I can tell you that Corinne has one of the most inspiring genius zone stories (laughs) that I've ever heard. And so I'm going to stop talking and let her tell you about it. And so I'll just to kind of tee it up for you, Corinne, tell me about what doing the genius zone activity itself was like for you. Absolutely. So the, the genius zone activity, basically you're thinking about what do I love to do? And what am I good at? What am I passionate about doing? And what am I competent about doing and figuring out of all the things you're doing in a week, like, where do those things fall? And as I completed this exercise, what I realized at the time is that quite a bit of what I was doing at this point last year, really, yeah, like early 2020, 2020, 50 to 60% of my time was really being spent outside of my genius zone on a weekly basis, which means I was doing things that I wasn't passionate about and that I didn't feel really competent about. And so that didn't really feel great. And I realized that like, I wanted to figure out there are some tasks that are on my plate right now. How do I work with my my boss, who's incredible, and other people on our team to offload some of these tasks or really just determine what are the tasks that we just don't really need to be doing anymore? Mm-hmm. So truly maximize the impact of my role. And so that was really what the the takeaway is that there are some things that I need to offload and I, and I need to figure out a plan for doing that. And so that was really the biggest takeaway. Yeah. And one thing that I have to interject is that, you know, so often, especially, especially we as women, we get hired into a role in order to perform a specific thing, like we're hired to do something specific, whether it's because of the education background that you bring to the table and you are hired to advance new policies and education in your area. But we very gradually start taking on other things. And it's hard Mm -hmm. to say no when someone Mm -hmm. says, oh, can you do this? Oh, can you do this? And we see opportunities to do things like 
oh, well, I really need to share this policy information. Let me learn a design program that I've never used before that I don't enjoy using and that I'm not good at using in order to help spread the word about this policy. So then you end up spending five hours a day <laughs> trying, mm-hmm. to, trying to figure out something <laughs> that you weren't hired to do in the first place, right? What I realized was I work at a nonprofit. And so at, at a nonprofit, we have limited resources. So we were in my role doing this research and writing these incredible papers, but then someone needed to design like the final product, like what this would look like in a PDF and how we could share that. And also how do we generate social media content to promote some of this research that we are learning and and that we want to share with our community. But me personally, I'm not good at those things. (laughs) Learning how to to use Adobe InDesign was kind of part of this work that I was doing. And, And I'm, it's just, it's something that was a difficult program to learn. And and, and it's just not something I was good or, or competent or passionate about. So yeah, that was definitely some of the tasks that I was realizing that I, I really needed help with figuring out how these tasks could potentially live on someone else's plate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's, you can see how something like learning in design would be important to your role. But at the end of the day, it just took away from the actual impact that you could have been making. So you did Genius Zone and you realized, okay, I am spending way more time than I realized on work that I'm not necessarily good at and that I'm not incredibly passionate about. So what was your next step from there? So I realized that I just, I needed to talk with my boss and, and figure out like, what are some ways, like, what are some of these tasks that we just don't need to do anymore? Or what are some tasks that potentially someone else can help with? And I'm, I'm super lucky because my boss is also very passionate about her working in her own genius zone. And she understands the benefit of really having people on her team that were really maximizing their impact by, by working in zones that were they were passionate about, but also really competent in. And so she understood the value of this and, and wanted to help me figure out like a solution here. And so we did a, we did a couple of things. We figured out there are some things that just didn't need to happen anymore. But we also were able to create a job description or a, a, a role of a fellow who could help with designing these briefs on InDesign and also helping to create social media content so that that wouldn't be something that fell on my plate anymore. So I'm super lucky that she understood the value of this. So you use the word lucky, but I have to imagine that this part of going to her, she might be an amazing boss who values people who manage their time well, but you had to prepare for that conversation. You had to be ready to point out what should be discontinued, what wasn't a good use of your time. Aside from doing the exercise itself, how did, how did you prepare for that conversation? It's funny you say that, Anna, because I, I, I'm actually realizing now that this wasn't just one conversation. This was a series of conversations of figuring Got out it. where these tasks could, who could own these tasks. But in terms of preparing for it, I really had to make the case of why my time was better used 
in other capacities. And so I really had to think about like, you know, what was the argument that I needed to present um, to, to make sure that my time is best being spent in ways that I'm most impactful. Okay. So it, it wasn't just a single conversation. Hey, let me stop doing this. Okay. Sounds great. No, it was over time. It was being, it was first understanding what the ask was. It was identifying how you would make the argument for how you should be spending your time. And it was presenting a solution. You know, I think that one of the reasons why so many of us end up shouldering, you know, that 50% of work that we don't enjoy doing, that we're not good at doing, that leads to burnout and makes us want to leave our jobs is because we're either afraid to present to our supervisors an alternative or we don't know how, or we don't know what to say, or we're afraid that we'll be told no. And so Mm -hmm. that's why it's, it's so inspiring to me that you not only figured out what should go, but you prepared for the conversation. You gradually advocated for what was not only in your best interest, but the best interest of the organization and let's be honest, the greater educational community in Birmingham and Alabama. And you created an opportunity for someone else through the fellowship. Yes. (laughs) I mean, that's, that's amazing. And so as, as a result of taking those steps, standing, basically standing up for your time, advocating for yourself, what do your days look like now? That's a great question. I and I've had so much more time to focus on the work that I truly do love doing and I'm really passionate, I feel really confident about, which is the research and learning and big picture planning and strategizing around a set of policy initiatives that are going to help to increase better outcomes for, for kids here in Birmingham. And so the now that I don't have to worry about some of these smaller, more arduous tasks that I really didn't yeah. enjoy doing, I get a chance to do this more big picture planning and research that the things that are really the core of what a policy and advocacy manager does. And so I, I just have more time to do the things that that are, are supposed to be the core of my job. Yes, you've gotten yourself out of the weeds of just the junk that was taking up your time so that you can make the impact that you were hired to make. Absolutely. So I have one last question for you before we wrap, Corinne, because it has been, it's been so awesome to hear your experience going from a super structured schedule to having wide open control of your time to finding systems that work for you. One of those being, you know, Genius Zone that's helped you really hone in and zoom in and make sure that you're spending your time where it really counts. But if someone is listening right now and they, (laughs) their wheels are turning about what is in my genius zone, what is it that I can offload? How do I approach my boss? What piece of advice would you give someone who's listening, who, who hears your experience in their life right now? You know, what advice would you give someone who wants to offload things and spend more time in their genius zone? 
That is a great question, Anna. Um, I think for me, what I realized is when I'm doing something that I'm really passionate about and that I also feel really competent in, I'm going to feel happier. I'm going to feel more successful. I'm going to be more efficient in my job and really taking the time to figure out in your career, wherever you are, what are those things that fire you up and that you feel really competent doing? And you've got to figure out a way to do more of those things. And the things that you feel like are dragging you down and, and feel more arduous or just more just tasks that you don't want to do, really take the time to figure out how you can either stop doing some of those tasks or, or figure out are there other people or other professionals that could help, you know, offload some of those tasks for you. Because if if it's going to take more time or just more effort, or if it's going to make you really not enjoy your job as much, right? You really have to figure out a way to refocus your time so that your job and your role is just one that is more fulfilling. Um, yeah. And I think that's something that, that everyone can do. And, it, and it's hard because we might feel like we're in a position that might be a lot of, of things that we don't enjoy doing, but it, it's worth the time and the effort because in the long run, if you're doing something that fulfills you and you feel good at, you're going to be a happier person. I know that I am for sure. Awesome. Awesome. I love it. Corinne, thank you so much for joining me today, for sharing your genius zone journey. I hope that you guys listening are just as inspired by Corinne as I have been. And I really challenge you that if you haven't taken a listen to episode 76 yet, head back over there, get an understanding of what is in your genius zone and follow Corinne's lead. Take her example, be inspired by how she advocated for herself in order to offload things, in order to spend more time in the air, doing what she was hired to do, making the impact that she was put in that position to make and you know, at the end of the day, just feeling more fulfilled, feeling happier. You know, you have the power and you have, you know, the responsibility and you are the person who is going to bring that fulfillment for yourself. And I just really encourage you, I really challenge you to see how you can do that in the next few weeks. So and Corinne, thank you so much for joining me today. This has been such a joy. And how can we learn more about the work that you're doing? Where can we find you and stay in touch? Absolutely. Well, you can find me on Twitter at Corinne O'Brien, I believe is my Twitter has my Twitter um, tag. I should, I I'll should be sure to, I'll be sure to link it. I'll be sure to link it. I can. <laughs> but in addition, the website of our organization is you can Google Birmingham Education Foundation and our website is www.edbirmingham.org and you can and follow along with the research and the advocacy that the work that we're doing. Very cool. Very cool. All right, Corinne. Well, thank you again so much for joining me and I look forward to talking with you soon. Thank you so much, Anna. It's been really exciting to be a part of your podcast. So thanks for inviting me. Thank you. And there you have it. As you heard, finding her genius zone and then taking action to spend more time there 
has been an absolute game changer for Corinne, and it can be for you too. You can find links to the productivity tools that Corinne mentioned, as well as links to the related podcast episodes by visiting the show notes at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 77. And don't forget that you can download your very own printable Corinne-inspired day planning worksheet in the show notes too. And before you go, let me tell you about what's waiting for you in next week's episode. Next week's episode, episode 78, we're getting back to the basics of time management and building a solid foundation using three of the most important and three of my favorite strategies, time blocking, task batching, and boundaries. If you're in the mood for a slight schedule refresh, or you want to totally revamp your time, but you're not sure where to start, This episode is for you. I can't wait. Thanks again for listening, and I look forward to talking with you soon. Thanks for listening to It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. Head over to www.abouttimepodcast.com to join the conversation. Check out the show notes and dive into bonus content so you can start living your best life today. Love this episode? Be sure to share it with a friend, subscribe, and leave a review. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you in the next episode.